It is Pet Chat. Sarah with you now. We've got a guest in today, Suzanne Madden. Welcome to the show. Lovely to have you company. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, you're in for, uh, well, it was meant to be Daniel Carrington today, but he's away on holidays, I've heard. Lucky. So you're in from Barker's Imbalance, and you've got a really exciting topic for us this morning, or this afternoon, rather. So this afternoon, we're going to chat about accentuating the positive, eliminating the negative, and latching onto the affirmative. And I think I said to you, it sounds exactly like what you do with kids. (laughs) There you go. I can get some tips. And Dr. Kimberly Earl, lovely to have you back. What are we chatting about today? Well, we're coming into summer, so we're going to have a chat about heat stroke, despite the fact that it's about to get nice and cool for us. Oh, well, it has been hot, though, and it will be again. Yep. Good one. And hello to Cherie at Duns Creek. You've got a question for Dr. Kimberly Earl in regards to your guinea pigs. Yeah, um, uh, two questions is... Is there any merit in me putting like a small dish or tray into there so they can sort of hop in and out when it does get hot? Yeah, so you, you can, and they don't love to be wet. What we find works the best for guinea pigs and rabbits is actually to um, have some frozen water bottles. So, you know, yep. just your disposable water bottles, freeze them, and then put a couple of those in there, so ideally one for each um, each animal. And you'll find that they tend to lie right up against them or even drape themselves over top of them, and that can be really helpful for keeping them cool. So we usually tell people just to have a few in the freezer so you can swap them out, hopefully on hot days, a couple times a day, and obviously making sure that they're um, in a nice, shaded sort of spot that they're not in direct sun if whenever yeah. possible yeah yeah, yeah I, I in haven't... winter i put a hot water bottle for them to keep yeah them warm, so. yeah yeah so in, more, in winter they'll do that i don't think they're um really super fond of getting wet as such so yeah yeah okay cool the other question is is my um my kids went out this morning and picked them checked them um one of them dove out of it out of my son's hand um and now seems to be completely lame in its back end it's there's no pain. I've checked for a paralysis tick because I do live in the bush. Yeah. Um, I've checked it. Checked it all over. There doesn't seem. It doesn't seem to be even in pain. Yeah. But it is dragging its back legs, and yeah. the back legs are very frogged out. If that okay. makes sense. Yeah. It is dragging like a frog. Um, what is my port of call? Because the only thing I'm thinking. Is not ideal. Yeah. Listen, I mean, it's, it's probably worth having it checked out by a vet because there certainly yep. could be a spinal injury. It may not be a fracture, and some spinal injuries yeah. will come good with some time. Um, yep. But, you know, a vet will be able to um, have a feel, possibly take an X-ray, certainly can give some pain relief. And sometimes yep. if we've got still neurological function in terms of being able to um, sense some deep pain or, you know, have normal function in terms of evacuating our, our bowels and things like that, then some it's pain sick. relief... And time might might improve it um but yeah it definitely sounds like that one maybe needs to have a visit up to uh, your local vet to have some somebody check it yeah, out yeah because it, it doesn't seem to be in pain and i've rubbed its legs and give it a <laughs> like a good work to see if there was a broken bone or something yeah um and yeah it doesn't seem to be squealing in pain yeah. or it, it just seems to be just a normal peak that can't move its it legs, can't move its so. legs so yeah i mean i guess we'd worry about a spinal That's trauma it. and whether or not yeah. the spinal cord is actually capable of feeling you know the guinea pig is able um, to feel pain from further on the back end so yeah probably still worthwhile having a look at him send him to the vet that's what i yeah, thought that's what i would think yes sheree thank you for your call and we hope you get um some positive news for the guinea pig as well Four nine two one six two one six. we do have a free line right now if you've got a question for dr kimberly earl karen in rutherford you've got a maltese great choice in dog breed how can dr <laughs> kimberly earl help you today hi how are you we're good thanks i was ringing up now our little guy keeps chewing his feet yes 
Now he started on one, now he's moved to two, he's, he's doing the whole four now. Yeah, okay. He's been to the vet and mm-hmm. he's been put on, what is it, A-P-O-Q-U-E-L. Mm-hmm. And he was taking half tablet morning and night. Mm-hmm. It did nothing. Nothing, okay. And now, like, he's white, but yep. his little paws are brown, brown. and yep. he still keeps chewing. Yeah, okay. And how long How long ago was it that he was at the vet? Oh, I'd say maybe three, three, four months ago. Oh, right, okay. So what I would say is probably um, time to go back for a revisit. So the medication that you talk about is a, um, it's a drug that helps to stop itching in the body, um, yeah. but it's only really useful. I mean, it's quite a really, it's, it's quite a good drug, but it's not going to help clear up any kind of secondary bacterial infection. And one of the things we know about dogs who are chewing on their feet is because they're keeping their feet wet with the saliva from their mouth, um, that they have a, a real tendency to develop infections in the feet, secondary infections. Um, and um, and that will cause itchiness that the Apoquel won't touch, okay? So okay. I would go back to your vet and have a reassessment and tell them, listen, this stuff, you know, we, we tried it. It didn't really help, so we need to have something else. Um, and they might recommend um, some medicated foot baths, some anti, different anti-inflammatories, some antibiotics, those sorts of things. But definitely, particularly if it's spread from one foot to more than one, um, that brown staining is an indication of that licking and chewing. It's iron from the saliva, actually, that you're getting into the fur. Um, but yeah, I would go back if it's been that amount of time, I'd go back to your vet, let them have a reassessment because the picture can change. It might be that there was no infection initially, but now with the ongoing licking and chewing that we may have a secondary infection there now that needs to have some medication that's yeah. different. Okay. Yeah, because he gets right into it, yeah. you know. They're pretty you're, you're, sore. They can be really sore on those feet. Yeah, and okay. it seems to be a Maltese trait too, doesn't it, Dr. Kimberly? <laughs> it's very common, and particularly because we have in the last few weeks and, well, month or so, had some wet weather, some moist, humid, wet weather and some rain, and it often makes it worse with their little feet being wet. Yeah. Okay, uh, good luck with that, Karen. 49216216 is our number. We're going to go to Yvonne in Lovedale. Now, a different kind of animal today. We've done a guinea pig, uh, we've done a Maltese, now we've got an alpaca. How can we help you? Oh, good afternoon. Yes, what I'm hoping, I have three alpacas, Mm -hmm. but I cannot find a shearer to shear them. Um, I had two shearers and they're both not doing it anymore. And I'm having terrible trouble and it's getting hotter to try and get someone to shear them. I was hoping you would know. I don't, unfortunately. Mm. That would be a Cheryl Shaw thing almost, isn't it? uh, Alpacas are a bit big to take into Cheryl's place. Oh, I mean, (laughs) she knows knows the industry quite well, so she she would have contacts. Um, Yeah, I mean, I would maybe check up... Um, you, you probably need to look at a practice that's because uh, I only deal with sort of small companion animals and, and dogs and cats and, and exotics. So, um, but a, a practice that sees more, you know, sort of rural farm work and things might have somebody that they can refer you to. Um, a Google search sometimes will help if you look for, you know, shearers and alpacas. You might find something in our in our area, or yeah. probably up up in the Upper Hunter a little bit more. There'd be um, more people. It's a, that's a really tricky one, and mm. and certainly the alpacas will um, will suffer if they. If they don't get their fur off, their their wool, it's not fur. Can a sheep shearer do an alpaca? Yeah, quite often they will. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Mm. Yes, I have Googled and I've oh, had uh, two people going to ring me back, one from South Australia, would you believe, oh, wow. and one from up at um, Tamworth Way, mm-hmm. but they haven't... 
Nobody. Haven't got back. Well, no. Yvonne, leave your details because um, I have no doubt someone will be listening to this and they'll give us a call. Hopefully, so if yeah. you're happy, I will pass on your details. That would be absolutely super if you could. One more thing. I was listening to the feet um, thing. I have a little toy poodle. Mm-hmm. And is vinegar and water like all rub when I see her start chewing her feet? Can I put that on to stop it? Um, it might sting is the only thing. So, I mean, yeah. vinegar, people use vinegar because it makes a less favorable environment for bacteria to grow. Yeah. Um, but it's only mildly effective and it can be quite stingy. So if you're catching it really early on, Probably not going to do any harm, but may not help. No. Um, early on, we often ask people to go and um, you know go up to their local vet and get a medicated shampoo and do a foot bath, where you can really massage some some medicated shampoo into there, um, and then rinse it off and towel dry the feet. So often, getting the feet dry, trimming any extra fur from around the toes, and getting the feet dry, often that can be really helpful. So. Um, Vinegar may or may not, but it might sting. So we just want to be careful with that. Okay, and uh, good luck with that, Yvonne, and, and finding someone to shear the alpacas for you. We're going to go now to Sue. You're in Clarence Town. And look, another different animal. Loving this. <laughs> a question about a water dragon today. Yeah, it is. <laughs> what can we do for um, you? We have a water dragon that's adopted us. Okay. He he comes into our shed and eats the cat food and <laughs> swims in my um, lily Yep. Uh, pool and that. But I don't know how big these things grow. Oh, right. Okay. Um, and you're, are you worried about him or are you just interested? I'm interested because, okay. I mean, hey, he doesn't worry us. He yeah, just walks yeah. in and looks at us and walks past us and goes sure. and eats a cat food and so walks out again. They're, they're still considered one of the, you know, sort of small to medium-sized lizards that we see in Australia. Um, they don't get anywhere big as your, you know, sort of stock standard um Goanna or, or lace monitor, um, but I have seen some of the big males. You know, they can they can get to close to a kilo in weight. And if you're thinking, you know, body weight, they could have a thirty centimeter body with another thirty centimeters of tail um, on them. So they're they're medium, you know, medium sized lizard. Um, is this one? A, a, is he fairly big and nice and robust and plump looking? He's eating the dog yeah, food. Yes, and he he's uh, yeah. Yeah. He sits there and he lifts his head up as if to say, go on, have a yeah. go. But <laughs> yeah. I've just noticed there's spines coming on yeah. on the back. Yeah, really. so I mean, he's probably getting going, becoming a, uh, an adult male. So the males can get quite large spines on them um, down the back and they can get some nice um, red coloration underneath their throat and things like that as well. Yeah. And they'll, they'll bask with their you know head and neck extended and their head up with their eyes closed. That's a real common position for them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I was just worried about him sort of thing. I'm thinking, oh, my God, I hope he doesn't grow to two metres long. No, no, he won't get that big. <laughs> uh, you're safe, Sue. Thank you very much for the call. Uh, we're going to go now to Jody in Singleton. A question about your dog. Oh, I was expecting another exotic animal oh. here. <laughs> Back to our beloved pooches. How can we help you, Jody? Um, we have a little miniature bull terrier. Mm-hmm. And two weeks ago, she had to go in and have eight teeth removed. Yes. And they did bloods before removing her teeth and advised us that she has kidney disease. Okay. We, I would like to know um, what we can do to help this sure. not progress. Yeah, okay. Like we're, we're cooking at the moment, we're cooking like a whole chook and then keeping the juices from that to cook the veggies in and mm-hmm. we're doing brown rice and barley. Right, okay. Um, making the protein only 13% of her dinner but I'd just yeah. like more advice. Okay, please. sure. So I mean the 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 biggest thing with um 
with pets with kidney disease is obviously making sure that we're not doing too much protein. And so it sounds like you've had some advice along those lines. Um, home cooked diets. I'm always, I always think that home cooked diets are really hard to do very well. So unless you've had a diet that's been um, formulated or somebody's given you a, a really well researched formula, I think they're really hard to do well. And we know that the studies show that the thing that keeps these animals going the best is having them on a good quality prescription renal and diet. We do have, yeah. we do have a prescription food that yeah. they gave us, but it's a kibble. Yeah. And one side of her mouth, every oh, tooth on the, on the bottom Because she's only gone. just, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're a bit concerned even when her mouth heals, will she be able to chew that kibble? Oh, so yeah. she eight teeth out. Yeah. So, I mean, from a, from a standpoint of teeth, most dogs, we, we do full mouth extractions on dogs sometimes, and you'd be surprised the amount of um, dogs that can still eat kibble without any, without any teeth in their mouth. So um, either they just wolf it down without swallowing it, which is what my dog used to always do. Um, she had yeah. teeth, but she didn't chew anything. Um, or, or they just managed to sort of break it up with it because once the gum tissue is healed they'll have a nice bone you know nice firm bone underneath the gum tissue and they're able to do a fair bit of crunching down with that as well but if you if you're worried about it you can always I tell people just to add a bit of hot water and let the food sit for five minutes and it softens it enough and the water actually helps to increase the hydration so for kidneys we want also to have um, lots of, um, of fluids we want them to be nicely hydrated and make sure that we have um, you know fluids going in fluids coming out always clean access to water and whatever you can do to increase their water intake is really helpful but yeah if we can those those good quality um, balanced kidney or renal diets are really really important they, they make a significant difference because I do find with the home cooked food like mm-hmm. the um, vegetables and the rice yeah. we have that really watery and good. she gulps that down yeah. so would it help if we maybe did one morning meal as one that's really wet and not the nighttime meal as the kibble yeah, you might oh, think you much. might think about something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also depending on how bad her kidney disease is. There's also phosphate binders that you can add to the home cooked meal, so it sort of just ties up some of the extra phosphorus, which is a, a metabolize a metabolism product of the the proteins in her diet. And we know that the phosphorus is the thing that sort of causes increased injury to the kidneys. So um, it might be that her phosphorus levels are okay at this stage, and your vet hasn't recommended that. But that's something um, for down the track potentially to, to think about. We have a free. Line for you right now but before that Suzanne you're in welcome thank you for coming in today Barker's in balance you're filling in for Daniel Carrington he normally comes in today but you're here to talk about uh, basically behavior in our pets and you've got a great little saying yeah so it's a line from a very old Bing Crosby song and it's about accentuating the positive eliminating the negative and latching on to the affirmative. So I suppose what does that mean? Um, When everybody comes to dog training, I always ask them why they're there. And they usually will say something like, because my dog barks, because my dog jumps, because my dog does, something that they don't want them to do. So rather than focusing on what we don't want our dogs to do, by latching on to the affirmative and accentuating the positive, we can latch on to the things that we do want them to do. And even in class, when I ask people to just leave their dogs be and um, ignore their dogs, I suppose, for a short time, we find that the dogs are sitting there. They're being really good. They're being really quiet. They're not barking. Um, They're not doing anything that they shouldn't do, um, and yet people aren't rewarding that positive behaviour. So what we like to ask people to do at home 
is think about when their dog is doing the right thing. So if their dog's not barking, reward them. If their dog's not jumping, reward them. If they're not doing a behaviour that you don't like, reward them. Dogs want to please us and they are more likely to repeat a good behaviour if they get rewarded when we um, give them the, the cue that they are doing the right thing. Very good. Okay. And that's all about um, that positive reinforcement, if you, as you have mentioned. And I think for uh, some of the, should I say, more mature generation, that's a big change in how we've been brought up to, to raise our pets, basically, and our dogs in particular. Definitely, definitely. Like people want to, I don't mean punish, I don't mean do bad things, but they, they're more focused on the barking, the jumping, the things that they don't want, rather than being focused on the positive. And as you said, same thing for children, really. Um, You know, we focus on when they're misbehaving rather than when they're behaving. Beautiful. And Suzanne, you found time and time again that uh, obviously you get better results by rewarding the positive behaviour and ignoring the bad behaviour. It it does, just like the line in the song, it does eliminate the negative. Um, They want to do the right thing. They want to please us and so rewarding that good behavior always results in that behavior increasing and is this something we need to start at a very early age or can it be introduced uh in an older dog or is it a lot harder to sort of then retrain it can be done at any age um it is easier of course if you start right from the word go when you get your puppy or dog uh but like any behavioural change, it can be done at any age. You just need to be consistent and make sure that everybody in the household is doing the same thing so that everybody's on the same page and the dog's not getting mixed messages. Yeah, I guess that's the hardest part when mummy comes home and there's one set of rules and then when dad comes home, there's another mm-hmm. set. It's very yeah. confusing. Or when mum goes out and everybody goes, oh, it doesn't matter, we'll just let the dog do what they want. Now, I know we're talking about dogs and I'm not looking at my nan, well, my mum, my dad, nanny and poppy and minna, but I feel like it's the same with the kids. <laughs> yeah, I think you might be right, there. Oh, very good advice, Suzanne. Yeah, thank you very much for coming in today and giving us that advice. And of course, if you've got any questions on your pet's behaviour, because it is such a big one, Mm -hmm. uh, we do have Suzanne staying with us. And of course, we've got uh, Kimberly Earle here as well. So we've got Mm -hmm. the double trouble here (laughs) to answer any of your questions. Now, we're going to go to Alan. Uh, You're in the Rathmines. Uh, You've got a question about your dog? Yeah, I have a a Pekingese. Mm-hmm. She's a house dog, um, and when we give her a food, she'll go over and she'll eat so much of it, and then she'll back away and she'll bark at it. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Um, she's just barking at the at the food dish. Does she go back to eat the rest of it or not? Not really, no. Not really. And is she an older dog? No, a four-year-old. Oh, four. Okay. Um, and just uh, uh, as a comment on her body condition, is she in good body condition or is she a little portly? No, no, she's in good condition. Yeah, you can feel <laughs> ribs and things on her? She's not too not too um, chunky? Yeah. No, she's about right, I think. About yeah. right. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, it's an interesting sort of thing. Most most dogs, um, you know, what, what we tell people is that most dogs will eat food when they're hungry. Um, we get lots of dogs that, you know, 
they're given too much food and the and the food that's available for them is um, way in excess of what they actually require and it might be that your dog is quite good at um, you know just sort of saying that's it that's I'm, I'm done now um, I can't see that there'd be anything in the food specifically that's triggering her you know to bark particularly if she's doing it after she's had you know what she wanted maybe she's looking for a little bit of a dessert treat or something like that after. I'm not, not entirely sure. My, my usual feeling for people is that I, I tell people that if your dog is leaving food behind and not eating at all, there's too much food available. Really, our pet dogs should be hungry when, they, when it's time to eat, that they should eat all of the food that's available. And if she's not eating at all, you're giving her too much. And maybe she's trying to tell you that, um, you know, it's, it's just... Um, this is it, I'm done, thanks very much, off you go. Uh, if she doesn't go back to it, I wouldn't worry about it. Um, the majority of dogs that I see where people feel like they're in good body condition, um, it's not uncommon for me to have to sort of give them the bad news that actually um, Fido is a 9-kilo dog in a 12-kilo body. Um, and so most of the time we're overestimating the, the body condition of our pets and, and going, oh, I think it's pretty good and I'll probably come along and break your little heart and say, actually, your dog's a little bit too chunky. So um, I wouldn't worry about it as long as she's eating and she's otherwise well bright and happy she's not vomiting um it's probably not a major drama i would just offer her less and see if you offer her less food if she just eats it up without you know without that little bit of vocalization we give her those my dog them little mm-hmm. things she has one of those with um dry food yeah that that's what she only gets it once a day yeah overnight okay yeah, that's. I mean, the the dry food is always the part where you're going to get a lot of calories into it. The the my dog sachets are um, tasty. They're, they've got a lot of water content. It doesn't really matter how much you're feeding. If she's not eating at all, I would just reduce it so you've got less wastage and um, and you know she might be a little bit more eager to to finish the bowl next time if she's getting a bit less on offer. All right, good, good on luck. you, Alan. We're going to go to Doug now in Woodbury. You've got a female cockatiel. Yes, hello. You might be able to answer a few questions for me. Uh, we've got like a a two-year-old hand-raised female cockatiel now. Um, this is the second batch of eggs that she's laid in in two years, mm-hmm. sort of thing. But she's she started laying uh, during the week, yep. and so far she's had four eggs now. Mm. Is that normal for for such a young female cockatiel, or what? Um, it's it's common. I wouldn't say it's normal necessarily, but it's common. Is she on her own, or has she got an actual mate? These are these are sterile eggs or fertile eggs, potentially fertile uh, eggs. These are potentially fertile eggs, okay. but she ha- she hasn't got a mate. We've we've tried um, like mirrors and all sorts of things like that. Uh, I like she. The only there's only the wife and myself, and she's bonded to me really yeah, good. Okay, so so what we see is we see pathological reproductive behaviour in cockatiels really really commonly, particularly in our hand reared females when they're strongly bonded to a human. Um, she's trying to she's trying to do the right thing. She's trying to have a family and to lay eggs, but probably those eggs are all sterile eggs. And what we find is that she's going to get into a situation where she's um, overproducing eggs and she's um, stealing all and, and, and removing all the calcium and nutrients out of her body because they will preferentially put calcium um, and energy into making those eggs even when it's not in their own body's own best interest. So 
We would say that a bird who's not actively in a mating sort of situation, um, who's laying eggs at that sort of a rate, probably needs to be seen by an avian vet so we can have a talk about the sorts of things that we can do to sort of stop that behavior before it becomes a problem. And things like egg binding are really common um, and can get, you know, they can become life-threatening for her. So we would um, do what we can to discourage that, making sure she doesn't have a nest box, uh, making sure we're not overfeeding her, ideally should be on a good quality pelleted diet with lots of vegetables, not just getting free fed a bowl of seed, which isn't very healthy for them. Um, Sometimes we can um, move the cage furnishings around to just sort of knock her a little bit off balance and make her feel a little bit less comfortable in her own environment. Um, we also do things like trying to increase the um, the amount of darkness that they have. Birds birds tend to become reproductively active during um, the long daylight hours, um, which is why she's doing it now as we're going into longer daylight time. So covering her over early in the evening and leaving her covered until you know seven or eight o'clock in the morning, if possible, can be helpful. Um, but before she gets into trouble, if you can, I'd say, you know, get her up to a local vet and have a discussion with them about what we can do um, to stop that behavior. So it's common, but not normal. Okay, look, thank you so much for your help. I appreciate Very it. Very welcome. So a big hello to Larry from Lampton. You've got a question about poultry for Dr. Kimberly Earl. Just a question, like I've had poultry all my life, but a friend of mine uh, out of Barnsley, he's got about three fowls out there, but he's finding... Uh, they're starting to eat, eat the eggs and you don't know, is there any way of stopping that or, or what causes that problem? So they're laying them and then they're going straight away to eat them, are no, they? He, don't, he doesn't know which one. Yeah, okay. So... Yeah. I- I mean, I would have a really good look at the diet, first of all, because we, we often find that birds can, um, like poultry, high-laying poultry, um, can have problems with the diet. Um, so ideally, they'd be on a good quality um, poultry layer pellet, not a grain-based diet. Grain-based diets do not have enough calcium and, and things like that to keep these guys laying for a long time. They may need a calcium supplement, and lots of people will um, feed the eggshells and things back to them. That can be helpful, but it's a very insoluble source of calcium. So if they're on a good quality layer pellet and they have been for a long time, their calcium levels should be okay. But if they haven't been, then they may need to have a soluble calcium supplement given to them. Um, sometimes we, we certainly get birds, I mean, egg is very high in protein, and we will occasionally get birds who develop a bit of a, a fetish taste for protein, and particularly yeah. in high stress time. So if they're molting really um, heavily at the moment, molting and, and growing new feathers um, is a really really high protein requirement you know sort of cycle in the birds in the birds life and so they may be feeling that they haven't got enough protein there um, you can certainly look at all the general general husbandry things have we wormed them in an appropriate you know time frame have we had a fecal sample looked at if we have wormed them and we still think that there's some sloppy or stinky poos happening? Are the birds in good condition or are they getting a little bit light? Um, there are some, you know, um, issues that we can get with with heavily laying birds with their reproductive tracts and things like that that can cause them to behave a bit funny. Um, but some birds just become a little bit cannibalistic and one of the um, things that we'll sometimes see is that they just start to, um, to you know, demolish those eggs first as a, as a protein source and it sometimes goes 
further than that and other times it doesn't. So, um, yeah, hard if you've got multiple birds and you don't know which bird is doing it. Um, yeah, he's got, doing he only got the three, but yeah. I think he only just feeds them grains, so he might need to get yeah. those pellets you're talking Grain, about. Grains are deficient, so you want to go with a good quality um, layer pellet. Can take a little bit of time to transfer them over because grains are a lot tastier than pellets are. Uh, um, yeah. But I would, I would definitely persist with that because we'll find a, a fairly significant calcium deficiency in some of these birds for sure. Right. Okay. Yeah, we only had one. A couple died and Andy bought two new ones. Yeah. Uh, they probably haven't just started, started. to lay. Yeah. So you, okay. you don't want that happening then. And what about uh, green? Yeah, sure. Green pick and grass and kitchen scraps, vegetable kitchen scraps, all that stuff is really, really good and, and very helpful. Um, it makes for nice eggs and it makes for healthy, robust birds. But we will find that if they've been laying for a while, um, if they're not on a, a good quality layer pellet, you will find nutritional issues. Thanks for your call, Larry. We have time to take a couple of more calls on 49216216. Before we do, just having a quick look at our dogs of the week. Now, Dr. Kimberly Earl, I need your help here. Okay. Um, and Suzanne, you might be able to help me as well. Uh, we don't have the breed. Does this look like a cattle dog of some description? It certainly does. Yeah, yeah red yep. cattle dog? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, please meet Rex, our red cattle <laughs> dog. <laughs> He's currently in foster care with four other dogs, so he gets along really well with other uh, dogs. That's not a problem. He is still a puppy at six months of age uh, and he loves his toys and playtime. Well, I guess that would tie in with a cattle dog. Pretty energetic. Yes. Uh, whilst he's still learning, he already understands some basic commands um, like you sit and that sort of thing, although he will obviously need to work on that. You need to continue that. He's currently learning to be house trained and spends his day outside, but he does sleep inside. So look, if you want to go check him out, he looks like a gorgeous puppy, <laughs> then please uh, head to our pet of the week, our dog of the week at 2NURFM.com under Pet Chat. And the next dog, he is a gorgeous looking dog. He's unusual. Please meet Hercules. Mm. I just want to go, Hercules, Hercules. <laughs> uh, he's a 12-month-old, uh, wonderful young pup. Now, he's an Australian cattle dog mixed with a Sharpay. Totally looks it. Absolutely. Yep. I've not seen too many of those, I've got to say. Well, I wouldn't say that's necessarily a purposeful breeding. <laughs> uh, yes, okay, fair enough. Look, he's a gorgeous looking dog. As I said, quite unusual. You've got to go check him out. He's highly intelligent, a very loyal companion. Uh, so a super smart dog. He sits, stays, shakes, uh, comes when he's called, all of that. He'll wait until he's uh, given permission to eat his food. So he's quite well trained. He loves the training. He loves brain stimulation. He gets on well with other dogs uh, and he loves chasing birds. So you might have to be, you know, if you're out in the country, maybe reassess that. Yeah. He also loves belly rubs and a bone to chew on when you're out. So look, if you're interested and and you're in the market. He looks like a big dog. He looks like quite yeah, a big dog, although that medium, could just be medium the angle. size. I'd say he's medium size. Okay. They're, they're usually in the 20 to 25 kilo range, I'd say. Okay. Uh, then mm. you can go once again, have a look at that at 2NURFM.com. We do have time for another call or two. Let's quickly go to Steve in Barnsley. Now, your dog barks when you're not at home, Steve. G'day. Hello. G'day. This could be one for Suzanne or Kimberly. <laughs> Bit of a behavioural one. Possibly Suzanne, yeah. Yeah, what's going on? <clears throat> um, my neighbours have mentioned it. <laughs> um, neighbours right next to me love her to death. We go over and visit. Um, and they said, oh, it doesn't bother us. But then they're not home. But a, a lady across the road did mention that uh, she barks. It, it's, she's now 17. She's a coolie, mm -hmm. purebred coolie. And... She feels her role is 
I've got to guard, so she'll she'll bark, pause, bark, pause, and it goes on. And you for said ages. she's seven, seventeen. Sorry to interrupt. Yes, she's seventeen. Yeah. So she's quite an old dog. Is this a, is this something that's just happened recently? The barking. Oh, about over twelve months. Yeah. Now, okay. as soon as um, she's starting to get deaf. Yeah. Whatever. But as soon as I come home. Um, sometimes uh, she doesn't hear me now. Yeah. But as soon as I shut the gate, um, yeah. ah, Dad's home. Okay. She's, she's she likes to just be near me okay. at the moment. She's sure. um. Okay, we, so we do at, need to wrap moment, it up. So We're running Steve, out of time. What I would say is I, I would get her checked out by your local vet. We do see dementia in older dogs quite a lot. And... Um, Barking for no particular reason or, or you know, barking and, and difficulty hearing, um, restlessness and anxiety is really common in dogs with dementia. And if it started recently, I mean, 12 months for a 17-year-old dog is pretty recently, um, then I'd be concerned that you might be dealing with some issues with, a, with an older dog who's got some cognitive decline. So maybe have her checked out by your vet. There definitely are some things we can do that might be helpful for her. Okay. And Suzanne, anything to add from from your no, point of exactly view? Exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think yeah. Does, it doesn't sound like a training issue. It really sounds like probably a medical issue. Yeah, yeah. sure. Uh, let's see if we can get another call in here. Hello to Anne from Curry. You've got a sick dog. Uh, no, she's not sick. She's six years old. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> All right. What can we do for you? We're, we're short on time, so what can we do? She's a Maltese chill. Yep. And the vet 12 months ago put her on a tablet called APO. Yes, Apoquel. Yeah. For her skin. Sometimes yes. I think they're working and sometimes I think they don't. Yeah. So similar to the caller that we had at the very beginning of the hour was um, uh, it's a it's a tablet that helps to break the itch cycle so that the dogs who have inflammatory skin disease don't feel um, the triggers that are making them itchy to the same degree. So they work very well unless the dog has a secondary infection on the skin. And we know that these dogs who have atopic dermatitis are very prone to secondary infections. So if it's not working for you at the moment, that should be a trigger for you to get her back up to your vet, have her checked out, make sure that she's not got a secondary infection or that something else has changed. Okay. So I'd get her up have a look at her. It's a very good product, but if it's not working, then we need to have her checked out again. Okay, thank you so much for your call. And for all of our calls today, it's been a very busy pet chat, it's which been is really what busy. we love. Yeah. Look, if you didn't get your call today, uh, just remember you can always head to our website and send in an email and you can always call us again next week. Suzanne, thank you so much That's for right. coming in today. Lovely you. having you. It's great. Dr. Kimberly Earl, always lovely having you here. Thank uh, you. Some good answers, some good yeah, questions good today. questions today, yeah. Some varied animals, which yeah. is what we like. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.